This is The Bible in Depth with PJ. Join us as we take a deeper look into scriptures and study the Word of God together. Now here is Pastor Jim. Hey everybody. Well, it's Wednesday. We're back and we're studying through uh, selected Psalms. And today we're going to look at Psalm 22. If you do read the Psalms with some regularity, you, you will recognize this one because, it, well, it's a fascinating one just because of the prophetic nature to it. But I've entitled this uh, teaching today, The Crucifixion Trailer. Now, I have a friend who, when we go to the movies, uh, him and his wife, my wife and I, he... Um, it, 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 it's like life and death. He's got to see the trailers. If he doesn't see the trailers, he doesn't even want to go. It's like, he feels like he's wasted his money. And I'm thinking, like the trailers are the big deal? It's the movie's the big deal. No, but for him, he's got to see those trailers. Now, what's a trailer? A trailer is small pieces of the movie to come. It's a small part of a whole. But it is pointing you, it's enticing you to hopefully want to see the whole movie when it comes out and so I, I mean i enjoy the trailers myself but it's not the end of the world if i miss them this song it's a trailer it's a trailer of what is coming in the future it's a trailer of the crucifixion <clears throat> now here is um one of the things of why I, I just, I love the Bible for many reasons. This is one of the big reasons right here of why I love the Bible so much. Why I look at this book as so unique. It's a supernatural book. Why this collection of 66 letters written over a period of 1,500 years by 40 different authors. And it is, and is so unique. Yes, written by men, but inspired by God. That's the big difference right there. And here's one of the big reasons why it's so cool. Prophetically, it's great. David, who's writing this psalm, it is so specific, terminology-wise, activity-wise, to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And he's writing these words 1,000 years before the crucifixion of Jesus ever happens. How is that possible? But wait, I'm not done. Crucifixion was invented by others, but the Romans took it and they perfected it. So by the time Jesus comes along, they've got that thing dialed in. The earliest recorded crucifixion, and that's why we think the Persians invented it, was by King Darius of Persia in 519 BC. David not only is writing about specific words and actions that take place during the day of Jesus' crucifixion, things he said, things that happened to him a thousand years before it happens, David is describing and writing about crucifixion before it was ever invented. <laughs> this is one of these great things that is all through the Bible, these prophetic statements that are true, that came to pass. And, these, and there's all kinds of stuff like this in the Bible. That's why 
I look at this as like, this is not a man-made book, yes, written by men, but inspired by God. It's a supernatural book. It's an incredible, incredible writing. Now, <clears throat> like I said, this is, it's a crucifixion trailer. And uh, I'm not going to cover every verse. I'm going to cover selected verses that really drill into the crucifixion of Jesus. It's a crucifixion trailer. So let me begin with verse 1, okay? Here we go. Psalm 22 and verse 1 says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from the deliverance are the words of my groaning. Now, if you're new to the faith, what's going on here is Jesus, it's prophetically speaking of Jesus, these words are exactly the words that Jesus would speak on the cross a thousand years later. This is describing the abandonment Jesus experienced on the cross. Abandonment? What are you talking about abandonment? Well, think of what he's saying. Because Jesus will say these words a thousand years later. It's recorded. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? <clears throat> now, we've all said something like that. We've all struggled with that kind of statement, idea, feeling, emotion, whatever you want to call it. We've, we've experienced these things possibly in our earthly relationships with someone we loved. Why have you forsaken me? Why are you abandoning me? We've experienced it with God. God, why aren't you doing something about this? Where are you, God? I, I, I feel so abandoned. <clears throat> it is an emotional, let me say it again, it is an emotionally painful experience. Emotionally painful. Now, hold the thought, magnify the thought. With Jesus saying this statement, it's an emotionally painful experience because he's experienced separation and abandonment from God the Father at that moment on the cross. It's an emotional pain. But wait a minute. Jesus is being crucified. Jesus has been beaten and tortured and spat upon and whipped and nailed. Not only is he experiencing emotional pain, he's experiencing tremendous physical pain. It's not just emotional for him, it's physical. It's both going on. But when he says, my God, my God, why? Have you forsaken me? I have a question. How? How does a person, how does a follower of Christ, a believer in God, how do we stay on course when we are experiencing emotional or physical pain or both together? How do we stay on course when we feel like God my life is so painful right now. It hurts so bad. God, where, where are you? <clears throat> and the answer to that is, you got to be firmly, and I mean firmly, planted in your faith. you got to be firmly planted in what you believe. <clears throat> See, your faith 
in God is planted in these words, and these words are what you believe, and these words are truth. Stop. My life should be planted in truth, not in emotions. And you know that. We, we all know that. We should be led by the Spirit of God and the words of God, not by emotions. When we're led by our emotions, we're, the caboose is pulling the train. We can make a lot of bad decisions doing that, can't we? We must be led by what we believe because what we believe is not subject to emotions. It's what it is. It is just true. Period. Question. Big, bigger question. How easy, how easy is it when we are in emotional or physical or both types of pain how easy is it to believe lies? How easy is it? It's really, really easy. See, when I'm, when I'm leaning into my emotions because of emotional pain and things are going wrong and where's God, that's where I can shipwreck my faith. That's where I can get off course for a time. That's where I pull away from the things that are best for me in that moment. It's weird to me and it just is weird to me that when we're going through these things, our number one default is to isolate, pull away, be by ourselves. That's the worst thing to do. That's the worst thing to do. We have to stand on truth. We have to stand on what we believe, even when we don't feel like it, even when it doesn't feel right. You got to stand on that thing. Let me give, give you a process that I learned. And I didn't come up with this. I just learned it. A- B, C. You might want to write this down. A, B, C. A. A stands for actual event. It's what happened to you. It's what is happening to you. It's what's going on in your life. That pain, that hurt, that distress, whatever it is. That's the actual event. It's what it is. You cannot deny it. It is there. That's A. But the B, very, very important. B stands for belief. What do you mean, Jim? Well, actual event, it's what's happening to you, what happened to you, but your belief. Put it this way. It's how you download what happened to you, how you process, download what happened to you or what is happening to you. It's your filter. What are you going to run it through? The Word of God or your emotions? What is the filter? What are you going to believe about it? That's huge. You know why? Because there's a C. What's the C? Consequences. You can either have positive consequential outcome or negative consequential outcome depending on how you believe. Depending on how you download. Look, None of us are exempt from pain in our life. We all will experience it. The greatest men and women of God in the Bible experienced it. It's going to happen. But what, what lens will I use to interpret it? What, wh how will I download it? What will I believe in the middle of it? Will I walk by faith or will I walk by sight? Will I keep my eyes on Jesus and walk on the water or take my eyes off and look at all the waves and the wind and everything going and just start to sink? Which one am I going to do? That's huge. 
See, there might be somebody listening to me right now. Just right now. You need to get up. Get back to what you're doing. Get back to what you believe and quit wallowing in it. Can I just take a step further? Because this is not in my notes, but I'm going to tell you right now. Somebody out there, haven't you noticed your track record? Every time you hit a bump, boom, you go down. Every time. Every time. And so every time you hit the next bump, you go down. Do you learn anything? Have you learned anything? And the answer is no. Have you grown in character? The answer is no. Have you grown up emotionally? What do you mean by that, Jim? Tell your emotions, shut up, and live by the Word of God. Have you done that? No. At some point, friend, at some point, you cannot be led by your emotions. You must download correctly whatever's happening to you through the Word of God, through the eyes of Scripture. Everybody's got to do that if you're going to make it through and begin to advance and develop character and develop endurance, the ability to endure through anything. It has to happen. At some point, it has to happen. Now, how did Jesus download his event? When he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? How did he download his event? It's right here. Because in the Gospels, you don't know, but the Psalms tell you how he did it. It says in verse 3, I'm sorry, verse 2 and 3, he says, oh my God, I cry by day. Don't you? Don't we? Oh God, please, where are you? But you did not answer. You ever felt that? That's what Jesus felt on the cross. And by night, but I have no rest. And here's the answer to the question, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Yet you are holy. Hmm. Oh, you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. He says, yet you are holy. That's the answer to the question. I don't get it. What do you mean, Jim? Watch. This is Jesus' download. This is how he processes. This is a belief. Therefore, he could have good consequences. Therefore, he kept enduring. Therefore, he kept going. He says that you are holy. He's talking to God the Father. Let's back up now. Jesus on the cross. What's he carrying? The sins of all mankind throughout eternity. And so when he says, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did God turn his face away? Because God's holy. God could not be in the presence of sin in the moment. And so when Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The psalmist gives the answer that Jesus knew, yet you are holy. I know why. I know the truth. I'm not going to go with my feelings. The truth is you're holy and you cannot experience what I am experiencing right now. Because I'm carrying the sins of mankind. And so God who is holy has to turn away. Because Jesus is bridging the gap at that moment. Jesus is shedding his blood and he will die and resurrect from the dead so that you and I could be forgiven of our sins and cleansed because God is holy. And the only way we can stand in his presence and enter an eternity with God is through the blood of Jesus. It's the only way. You see, friend, that was the truth. And Jesus downloaded it correctly. And because he downloads correctly, he doesn't quit. He doesn't despair. He keeps on going. He keeps on enduring. He knows there's a good end to his story. There's a great end to his story. Let me tell you a truthful statement. 
Truth affects emotions if believed. Say that with me out there. Truth affects emotions if believed. Say it with me again. Truth affects emotions if believed. You can read this, but do you believe it? Are you going to settle it as absolute truth? Because truth affects emotions if believed. Jesus, talking about worry and stress and anxiety, and the word worry means to be pulled apart. It means you're waffling between two different opinions. You ever been there? He says, what I want you to do, Jesus, is look at the birds and notice they don't worry. I supply everything they need. That's the truth. Truth affects emotions, worry, if believed. Truth affects emotions, if believed. Jesus stood on truth. He didn't stand on emotions. And therefore, he could make it through. He could endure. He could go all the way. Friends, some of us out there, from the bottom of my heart, you need to do that now. You cannot be taking steps back. You cannot let your emotions take you downhill again. You cannot quit, start, quit, start, quit, start, isolate, come back, isolate, come back. Can't do that anymore. It's time to grow up spiritually. It's time to grow your character in God. Okay? Truth affects emotions, if believed. Now, let me jump to another thought here. Uh, this is the best. This is my favorite thought in Psalm 22. This one I'm going to share with you right now. I, I love this one. Verse 6 says this, But I am a worm and not a man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. You say, what's worm? What are you talking? Watch this. This word worm, interesting word, it describes a certain worm, the tolat. Tolat. Now, it's a crimson worm, red colored. This worm, this tolat, that's described right here. This red worm climbs up a tree or a post or a fence and he attaches itself. And then what the worm does, he forms a hard red shell. Now he's fully enclosed. The worm lays her eggs inside there, inside the shell, <clears throat> underneath her. Soon, as the young develop, they're able to care for themselves. But before that happens, mom dies. When mom dies, she oozes a red dye. The red dye that she oozes when she dies stains the wood that this thing is attached to, and it stains the children forever. Isn't that something? For three days she oozes, and by the third day there's no more red left in her, and her body is turned to like a white wax. And it falls down like a snowflake, like snow, just falls to the ground, looks like snow. I like that. You know why? Because here's what Isaiah said. Isaiah said this in Isaiah 1, verse 18. He says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, though they're red, they will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool, white. Isn't that something? 
David describes Jesus on the cross. He says, I am a worm. I'm the one who attaches myself to the tree, to the, to the cross. And I'm going to die. And my blood will be shed. And it will stain anybody who wants to be stained and covered by this blood. The blood that comes out of my body. And will turn your sins from red to white as scarlet. Isn't that something? Ha, but I am a worm. But I am a worm. It's not a negative statement. It's such a positive statement in Psalm 22. I love that thing. I just love it. That, that, you see, it's the picture of Jesus who came to die for us, cleanse us of sin, redeem us from the slave pit. He set us free. Now, let's follow that idea even more so in Romans 3. Let's go to Romans 3. And I just want to cover a few bases here before I move on. Romans 3 says this. Verse 23 to 26 says, For all have sinned, that's all of us, we've all sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. We, we don't measure up to God's standard. We all sin. People say, well, I just keep the Ten Commandments. No, you don't. Nobody does. You can't keep them. No one can. We all fall short. Then it says, this great theological progression here. He says, being justified. Wait, justified means declared innocent, as if you've never sinned. But we've all sinned, but now you're declared innocent as if you've never sinned. Being justified as a gift. And that gift of being justified is a gift you can't buy. By His grace. Oh, God's grace. God favors us through the redemption. Redemption means the purchase of a slave for the purpose of setting it free forever. So we've been set free from our sins. We've been set free from our mistakes. We are justified, declared innocent. We who have fallen short of God's, uh, God's uh, grace and mercy and everything else. Through the redemption which is in Jesus Christ. The tolat, the, the worm, the one who exploded red and turned to white, covered our sin. Verse 25, whom God displayed publicly on that cross, guys, as a propitiation. Propitiation? Yeah, let me talk about that for a second. Propitiation, let me read the verse. Propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his, his righteousness. Because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. That's going back to Passover, back in Exodus. He passed over because there was blood on the door. But our Passover has cleansed our sins away. Verse 26. For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time, so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, let me go back to propitiation, because it's a cool word. We fall short. We are justified, declared innocent. We've been redeemed, bought back from the slave market for the purpose of being set free forever. You've been set free. You just got to know that. You got to believe in that. You got to download that way. And he's our propitiation. You know what propitiation is? It means mercy seat. Mercy seat, yeah, mercy seat. In the Old Testament, when the priests go to once a year, on the Day of Atonement to sprinkle the blood on top of the Ark of the Covenant. The top lid of the Ark is called the Mercy Seat. It's a propitiation. It's where the blood was, um, animal's blood was uh, sprinkled there and it would cover the sins of the people for one year. Jesus comes along and He is the propitiation. He doesn't, His blood doesn't cover our sins for a year. His blood cleanses away every last sin, mistake, failure, blunder, 
forever. It's gone. It's done. He is the mercy seat. And we're so cheap with our forgiveness, aren't we? <laughs> We've been forgiven so much, and we turn around, I can't forgive that person. Really? Really? I don't get that. I just don't understand that. Now, let me go back to Psalm 22. Let me read uh, uh, verses 14 to 18 and make some comments, and then I'm going to close this baby up with the last verse. It says, this is describing Jesus on the cross now. Remember, it says the crucifixion trailer. I am poured out like water. Hmm, that's interesting. And all my bones are out of joint. See, when they stretch him out to nail him, they'd pull bones out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. He's just drying out. When he says poured out like water, Paul would borrow that statement saying that his life, as he's, he says, I know I'm going to die. I'm being poured out like an offering. It's like it's Jesus saying, I'm dying is what's happening. Verse 15, my strength is dried up like a pot shirt. And my tongue cleaves to my jaws. Didn't he say, I thirst. He's thirsty. My tongue cleaves to my jaws. And you lay me in the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers has encompassed me. Mm. Weren't they around that cross yelling? He saved others. Himself he cannot save. Let's see uh, if God will deliver him now. They were mocking him. They were putting him down on that cross. They pierced my hands and my feet, didn't they? A thousand years before it happened. I can count all my bones. They look, they stare at me. And it says they went by and they stared at him on that day of crucifixion. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. That's big. Because the tunic was a seamless one, one garment, seamless. You couldn't rip it up. You had to cast lots. Somebody's got to win that thing. And for my clothing, they cast lots. David's writing thousand years before it happens. And, it's, and it happened. And it happened. Now, I want to take you to the last verse of Psalm 22. I just want to focus on this last idea. And then we'll finish. Verse 31 says, they will come and will declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has performed it. It's fitting. It's fitting that Psalm 22 ends with that he has performed it. In other words, he finished it. Jesus came, plan, purpose, did it, finished it. John 19.30, last verse we're going to look at. Jesus on the cross. It says this, John 19.30. <clears throat> Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine. Now, let's not confuse this with regular wine like he's going to get intoxicated. Th th that is not that at all. There was another time they tried to drug him with a wine or sedative, and he said no on the cross. He was not going to 
partake of any of that. This is like a refreshment at the end of a long day that they would serve people. And so he received it. And he says, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Mm. He finished it. It's the idea of paid in full. He paid it. He paid the price. He paid in full for our salvation. The worm, the toloth, who was mocked and spit on. The toloth, whose body exploded with the blood so that you and I, our sins could be white as snow. The toloth. He finished everything. You know what I like about that? That Jesus paid it all. You ever make the last payment on a car? Isn't that the greatest feeling in the world? I paid that thing off? Now, wait, 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 now wait, wait. After you make the last payment and they send the pink slip to you, do you sit there and say, you know what, that was so much fun, I'm gonna make another payment. (laughs) Nope. There is no way you are celebrating the fact that it's paid off. You're never gonna make another payment. Could you quit making more payments on your sins? Can you quit telling God, you know, God, 10 years ago in this, and I'm so sorry for five years. Can you just stop that? Can you quit make, stop making more payments on your sins? They're paid in full. He covered it. He cleansed it. It's done. He said, it is finished. The very words that the priest in the temple, when he sprinkled the blood, walked down and says, it is finished. And Jesus paid the price. It's finished. No, don't make another payment on your sins. They're all washed away. Every day is a fresh start in Jesus. Well, we're going to stop right there, and we'll pick it up at a different psalm next time. So, hope you enjoyed it. Have a good day. Thank you for joining us. If you have any questions or need prayer, please send us an email to hello at nbcc.com. We'd love it if you would subscribe to this podcast and take a second to rate it. Until then, we'll see you next time.